0: Welcome everybody to The Library is Open. Uh, This is a podcast where we discuss technology trends in the library community and tools that we use with librarians every day. My name is Jessie Zarrow, and I am one of your hosts. We also have Nate Carula from Bywater Solutions. Hi, Nate.
1: Hey, how's it going?
0: Good. Um, And today we have joining us uh, a few folks from the Richland Library. Uh, We have Sarah Sawicki, who is the Planning and Projects Director. Hi, Sarah. Hey, y'all. And we have Philip Higgins, who is the Marketing and Digital Strategy Director at Richland Library in South Carolina. Hi.
2: Hi. Thanks for having us.
0: Um, Along with them, we have Sally Shaughnessy, and she is the Director and Project Management at Atten Design Group in Denver, Colorado. Welcome, Sally.
3: Thanks for having us.
0: Yeah, thank you for joining us. So today we're going to talk about Intercept, which is an open source event room equipment management and customer tracking system. Um, about a couple of weeks ago, Nate and I met um, Sarah at the Computers and Libraries Conference in Arlington, Virginia, and we got talking about this open source platform that they developed. And we wanted to hear more about it, and we thought, what a great way to kick it off on our podcast! So, let's start.
1: Sounds great. good. Sarah and Philip, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself to kick things off? Sure,
2: Philip, why don't you go first? I would love to. Thank you, Sarah. Um, So, my name is Phil Higgins, Uh, I I am, like like Jesse said, the Director for Marketing and Digital Strategy here at Richland Library, Uh, so uh, it falls to my heart, to sort of manage and and represent the brand appropriately online uh, through all of our digital channels, Uh, and honestly, this project is one that we are super proud of, um, because it uh, aligned perfectly with what we were doing with our physical buildings around Richland County, which is... um, We've been building new libraries. We've been um, reimagining and uh, upgrading a lot of our existing libraries. And we did that online as well. And so that is sort of how I fit into the project. I know Sarah has been um, focused on Intercept for a, a lot longer than myself, actually. So I'll let her speak to that. But.
4: Yeah. Well, yeah, I'm Sarah Sawicki, and my title is Planning and Projects Director here at Richland Library, and so I, my purview here is strategic planning and the projects that come out of that. And so Intercept, is what we have come to call Intercept, was one of those projects from quite a few years ago that we were excited about, we knew we wanted to make it happen. Uh, as we heard yesterday at an open source conference, there was, there was an itch that needed scratching. And, and we knew we wanted to be able to, to do this and we weren't quite sure how but it was something that we felt was important and we could not find it anywhere in the proprietary software world.
0: Awesome. And Sally, you met these folks and tell us a little bit about yourself.
3: So the Atten team met the Richland team actually at DrupalCon, uh, and that's where we learned about the Intercept project. And so from there, we, we were engaged to be a part of the Intercept build along with the Richland Library redesign and overhaul. Um, and we came on board after years, as Sarah mentioned, of the team planning and preparing. So. When we joined the team, they already had a backlog of hundreds of user stories. And so we went through and did a, a strategy phase so that we could identify any gaps, validate the, the highest priority user stories for Intercept. Uh, and then we, we
0: went from there with the, the custom design uh, and the development phase. So we know you have the need for this management system. Like, What were some of the thought processes that were behind you know, bringing this whole thing together?
4: Well, we we really started with the, the the question, the problem statement was was this. How do we know who's coming to our programs? How do we uh, recommend more good things to them, and how do we thank them from coming for coming to, to, to do something at the library? And as Philip said, we've undergone a fifty-nine million dollar bond referendum where we've renovated all of our spaces, we've totally reimagined what it looks like on the inside of a library. And so that brought in new people, started to bring in new people, but some of them didn't even have a library card, right? So it was exciting to us to, to think about how we can uh, capture these folks and then show them some more love, right? We, we want you to, literally one of our experience principles is uh, more of what you love. And so we started very, very lo-fi. We went out and figured out, a I think it was about a $4,000 investment in some, some scanning technology to be able to scan in customers at programs. And that was the gist of, of what we were looking at originally. How do we know who comes to programs? How do we scan them in at an event just like we scan them to check out materials? And, and, then, and then as we moved forward with it, we realized that what we, were, what we were had come to call Intercept was a connector between the ILS, which is Polaris for us, and the calendaring and event management system, which was Evance, uh by Demco for us. And I think, I think we already had the, the, the seed of a, man, this stinks that we can't edit this software in our heads, not even really knowing what open source, that that's, that's truly the basic concept besides, behind open source. So we said, hey, let's just build a brand new calendar, event management and room reservation. Software as well. That'll be easy, right? So yeah,
2: didn't mean to laugh at that.
4: (laughs) It's funny because it was not easy.
2: (laughs) And I will say, you know, from a from a marketing perspective, especially too, you know, we have a lot of data as a library already about patron behavior when it comes to what materials they're they're gravitating towards, what's really you know working and, and, and meeting the needs of the community. But we were really missing a really crucial piece, which was events and programming, right? We didn't have that sort of missing piece. So from a marketing perspective, I, I personally, and I think a lot of people here and other libraries too, feel like there's a lot of people coming to our spaces for our events. They may never check out a book. They're coming here to go to these events and it's really difficult to market to them and, uh, and to, get them uh, introduced to everything that the library offers and bring them back again. And so for me, I was really interested in Intercept from that perspective as well. I can finally get some data uh, around the full picture of our customer's behavior and use that as a tool when it comes to email marketing, social media, all other sorts of different communication channels. So I'm pumped about that part of it too. Right.
3: Right, and the open source aspect—I mean, heading into that direction—it was also something that Atten gravitated towards. You know, Atten loves working in open source frameworks, um, but it was important. Um, for Richland, as a, a good steward of the library community, to build this in an open source, uh, using open source software so that other libraries could take advantage of it. So, what's good for Richland is good for everybody. And Atten really loved the spirit of that. Uh, and so, yes, building it with Richland in mind first, but even throughout the development process, when we were talking about um, user stories and building features, we even as a team said, is this good for Richland? is it good for everybody else and if it was one of those things that ticked both of those boxes it went higher up on on the backlog list so just doing this as a good steward um, for the library community as a whole was also really important to everybody
0: yeah and and part of our experience of course in the coha or the open source community uh, we do developments here at bywater solutions and when a library comes to us and asks us to develop something for um, for them within coha we do the same thing, because we give that code back 100% to the, to the library community. So when we develop something, it goes back into the community and then into the next release. So that's really important to us as well, as being part of that open source community.
1: Yeah, and from a funding perspective, you know, multiple different libraries can collaborate on funding one project. Because from, you know, as developers, we don't care how many people contribute, just as long as we, get, yep. we cover costs. And everybody's going to get it anyway. So instead of having to pay every time there's a new feature, every single person has to pay separately. You know, it, it's it's one fee to get it done, and then it gets out. So open source development is just a much faster moving target, um, which is a plus that's going to benefit your project in a big way.
3: Right. Right. The- Nate, um,
4: and Sally, can I just uh, plug in here? Give a plug to the Knight Foundation. Uh, Because, as as Nate brings up funding, we would, uh, it literally would not exist if the Knight Foundation hadn't uh, awarded us a $250,000 grant to get it started. And so it's definitely not one of those open source projects with two guys in a basement somewhere kind of trying to figure this thing out and take it to multi-platinum. But but it was, so it was a definite intentional effort with a, a big budget to begin with. Which has then, which we want to put out there for everyone. But then, obviously, now we really would like to get other libraries involved in that exactly that coordinated effort to make it better for everybody. Like you were saying, Nate. I'm sorry, Sally. I didn't mean to step on you there.
3: No, no, not at all. That that's a great call to to acknowledge the Knight Foundation and that um, this is this was built for libraries by libraries. It was built for Richland, but now it's being. You know built and promoted for everybody and so it's really important for us to just get the word out and let libraries know large and small It's here for them and we continue to refine it and make it better and more pluggable and the community of developers can contribute to it I mean, this is a project and it takes a village to maintain it. So uh, That's that's where we are today Mm
0: -hmm. So Sarah did when y'all applied for the grant with the Knight Foundation, did you apply for any other grants or was that the
4: only one? For Intercept? Yes. That we had, yeah, we only, we we reached out to the Knight Foundation exclusively because we knew they are interested in open source projects, they're interested in technology, and they're interested in libraries, and so that was where we went to begin with. We have subsequently gone after some other grants and haven't had a whole lot of success yet, but it would be great if we could um, find some more big funding. Mm -hmm.
1: Very cool. I know from like um, a COA perspective, this is functionality that would be greatly beneficial to the users, the 1500 plus customers that Bywater supports and the 5000 plus users worldwide. Um, So we would be interested in incorporating that into functionality of the ILS that we support and that would open it up to a whole new um, kind of funding um, area of possibility as well. So again, the beauty of open source.
2: And that's exactly sort of where we're the direction that we're headed in right now. We know, uh, as Sally mentioned, you know, we we built this um, uh, application with Richland in mind uh, in the beginnings. You know, so it it is it is dependent upon our current ILS and it's dependent on, on Drupal eight. But we are running, actually, we're running. Yeah, I'm going to say running and not walking or working. We're running towards beta, full beta version by summer, which will remove those dependencies and make it much more uh, approachable. For a variety, to your point, of libraries and other organizations, too.
3: Right. To build on that, there's a couple of things that we're doing, just to, to be a little uh, – to go there, is uh, we are building an, what is known as an upstream or an install profile on Pantheon, which will enable uh, libraries that might be on WordPress or on D7 uh, to integrate Intercept into their site. Uh, We're also actively removing the dependencies, like Philip said, on Polaris so that we can plug in other ILSs like Koha.
2: Awesome.
3: Uh, So that's where we're at today. Uh, So we are actively sprinting in a post-launch world, uh, and so we are doing monthly deployments and giving new code back to Intercept, back to GitHub and uh, the Drupal module.
1: Very cool.
0: Are there Have any other libraries approached you yet about um, deploying this?
4: Oh, yeah. We definitely have had a lot of interest. Uh, we have had – we've been to ALA. We've been to PLA. We've talked to computers and libraries. And people are certainly fascinated by the concept, I think, it, uh, on its surface, just in general. The, I think the thought of a big switch like this is – challenging for folks. You know, it's a—it's basically swapping out one vendor for another, regardless of the open source nature of it. And so we have had some more detailed conversations with New York Public Library, um, with uh, Edmonton Public Library in Canada, who's very interested, some yeah. really big some really big um, libraries that are interested. We've also spoken with some museums who might be interested because museums offer programming as well. And so, yeah. and they have memberships too, right? So um, we definitely have had a lot of interest. We are, again, we're sprinting towards removing those dependencies so other folks can then jump on. And with a little bit of development, create. we need somebody to create the, the connections for the next ILS. And then, and then it would be a pretty, relatively simple lift mm-hmm. for another library to come on board.
0: That's great. So what is the, the, the next like, big project? We, we know we're talking about getting the um, connectors ready to talk to other ILSs, but like, kind of what's on the horizon? What do you see next as a big project um, you know, to build with an Intercept?
2: I'm I'm happy to I mean I, I this is my opinion at the moment we, we, yeah. we have quite a bit of a of a backlog of really what I think I would call refinements uh-huh. for what we have right uh-huh. now you know we started with an MVP and we're slowly now that we're launching it at Richmond Library we're discovering of course like you would with any software product right um, things that we would like to refine more uh, things that we want to dig in from a UX perspective a little bit more mm-hmm. uh, I, I know for me on the horizon at least the near horizon and Sally's probably like, what, I'm listening, uh, would be the, the back-end interface. So right now, we spend a lot of time, my foundation funds, and effort into the front-end portion of Intercept, the customer interface, right? And I think it's beautiful, I think it's intuitive, um, but because we spent so much time and effort onto that, we, we haven't spent a lot of time, although some, uh, on the back-end of it, the interaction and interface that our staff uh, have using it. And so I'd like to focus on that uh, in in the near future to make it just as seamless and just as intuitive for them to use the software as it is for customers uh, out in the the, the front-end side of it to interface with it.
4: And along those same lines, the reporting out, the room reservations, the occupancy, the program statistics, it's all there and we're capturing it and some of the reporting is more robust than others, so definitely we want to be able to use that information that we're capturing. I feel like we might have neglected like the secret sauce, Philip, which is that uh, intercept makes a recommendation to a customer based on that checking in at a program. So okay. the the real the real the real the real uh, like I said the secret sauce the clicker it, the clincher is that when you go to log into the website to check on your hold, see where you are in line, or pay some fines, or um, or just find another event to go to, the intercept, the real secret sauce is that it makes recommendations to you. And it's based on your history. So on your borrowing history, it will make recommendations for you for reading or viewing or listening. And on your program attendance, history will then feed into that algorithm and make recommendations for things that you might enjoy attending at the library. And so that's really, like I said, it. it, the, the scope has creeped, probably, from our initial thought of what we wanted to do, but initially we were just capturing that information and then we were gonna email people back, maybe here's a list of all the people who attended a gardening program over the last six months. Let's email them about Master Gardener classes. But what we really, once we dug in with Sally and Atten, and what we decided was we wanted it to be more inbound marketing. We wanted people to find it naturally, just like they find recommendations on Netflix or Amazon, yeah. and that is, that's really where we wanted to take this to the next level, because again, we've got these beautiful facilities, we've got the 21st century library in our physical spaces, and we want to make that digital experience the same for the customers.
2: Yeah, I, think it was I love really- that special sauce <laughs> reference, by the way. <laughs> special sauce, all the way. You know, you know, I think there's a, I'm sorry, Sally, Good.
3: Yeah, no, Go ahead, Philip, not a problem.
2: No, i was just gonna piggyback and just say that this is something that our customers almost were growing to expect, especially our new customers, our new library customers who are coming in. They've literally been growing up in a world where Netflix right. recommends things to them, where they buy a product on Amazon and they say other people that bought this like this. So it had it, it become an expectation. And then we started hearing from customers uh, uh, things like you have thousands and thousands of events every year. How in the world am I supposed to find out? That's, about this event, and as a as a marketer, that's one of the things that I that I never like to hear from customers, right? Which right. is like you had a you did what? How did I not know about that? Why did people not know about this? Right, and so so now our answer with Intercept is is a lot clearer. It is it is well use the website, log in with your username and password, and mark events that you find of interest to you, and through that we'll be able to recommend them uh, in the future as they come up, and you won't you won't miss out on them. And so as a tool, that's been really helpful for me, for us, I think.
3: The user dashboard does allow a customer to set preferences, and so that's a really exciting feature as well. Um, Philip, you talked about staff, and, and Sarah, you hit on reporting. I think it would be, we'd be remiss not to talk about the feedback portion of it, too. So when we got our brief, the brief was build a custom events management system that is open source. Uh, usable by libraries large and small, uh, customizable by them so they can put their logo on it. But it also needs to allow people to easily register and attend events, but also to provide feedback on those events so that the staff can then export data so that they can make smart decisions about their programming. Uh, And so part of what we do is when folks uh, do attend an event, um, and then after the event, log back in they're prompted to rate their program and so it's a really simple interface right now just happy face or frowny face and then um, staff are allowed to uh, customize some adjectives that will allow folks to give us a little bit more feedback than just the thumbs up thumbs down Uh, and so that way you can get a little bit more granular on whether or not it was a good use of their time whether it was productive or if there's some constructive feedback that maybe we need to take into account to improve our programming in the future. Um, so that's a really exciting customization here as well.
2: Yeah, that's a really good point, Sally. I mean, just the idea that a library can throw its weight behind a program that in their gut they feel like is really going to be great for the community and important and really uh, something that people be interested in. And then on the back end of it, after the thing is done, they can say, wow, we had 100 people register for this, but 50% of them gave us a frowny face uh, because and marked bubble machine because." They were covered in soapy water or (laughs) or whatever the reason may be. Right. And so now we can actually make smart decisions about our events. We can say, all right, well, we were on target because people are definitely interested in it. But, you know, showering them with soapy bubble water did not work out. Yeah. So we'll do it again and we'll just remove the bubble machine. That's right. Yes.
3: And what we heard from he computers and libraries is that people like the feedback, but we got an interesting question about could, we, could other libraries customize that area if they didn't want to do the smiley face and frowny face or if they wanted a different feedback mechanism. That's a great opportunity for the community to come and contribute to something
0: like that. 100%. Like, especially in the Koha community, a lot of times we have something called system preferences, right? It allows you to say, turn this on or turn this off enable it, disable it, visible, hidden. And that's a perfect example. Some people may want to use something else. And that's the beauty of open source because that's where you get into the customization and like making libraries get what they want. That's why I love it. Us too.
4: <laughs> we are um, definitely con <laughs> We're in love with open source.
0: So I want to ask a question because you have me thinking about like recommendations and like how we use Netflix or Amazon or whatever it may be. So let's say I'm searching in the catalog and I'm looking for books on sewing. I find a record. It takes me to a, a title. Well, I get recommendations for events on the page where it shows me marked records or like where were those recommendations show up?
2: The recommendations, you know, we really envisioned it, at least initially, as the with the my account or the dashboard being sort of the, the hub of all of this, because yep. just looking at past traffic for the, the old website, that seems to be a common denominator for most people. Most people go to their dashboard or their account at some point during the interaction, but um, through further scope, uh, creep? I don't like saying creep, expansion, <laughs> right? Um, and further integration with our, our our ILS right now, you know, we have recommendations peppered throughout the experience online, okay. so it isn't just uh, relegated to the dashboard, uh, it is within search. And okay. so When search results are populated on the page, it is within um, item record or detail pages, like cool. what you were talking about, Jess. Um, so it is throughout, but again, the dashboard is where we're trying to really Hone in and focus too.
0: Okay, cool. All right. Well, um we always like to ask one random question here at the end when we're closing out our podcast. And so today, I'm going to ask, what other podcasts are you all listening to, if any? I
4: can't Philip is concerned. I think. I, all right. Well, I mean, I
2: have. I'm not a giant podcast person. I apologize to everyone who's listening to this right now. <laughs> uh, but I mean, I, I, I do. Uh, I am. I'm fairly. I like to binge watch things. You know, I'm very when I when I find something, I gravitate toward. Clearly, this podcast is one of those things that I'll be listening to from now on. All right. Um, but uh, now, someone introduced me to a podcast called Sword and Scale, which is all uh-huh. about um, crime and 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 I don't. It's, it's probably not appropriate, but um,
4: I'm, <laughs> I, I am obsessed
2: with it a little bit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> True crime. So. Um,
4: I, we listen to, um, the family sometimes Listen to the presidential history one. I'm drawing a blank on the actual name, um, but th- that's really interesting. It goes into I don't know, Garfield and his giant tub or whatever. I don't <laughs> know. It's really interesting facts about presidential history. And then I do love a... Um, s-town and uh yes sounds great s-town law Southerners at their finest i'm philip
2: you need to listen to it all right i just wrote it down okay
3: i listened to the s-town season around buddy cnc i'm a i'm a new englander and so i had to buddy buddy is a a legend so i had to listen to the buddy cnc series uh, on s-town so that was awesome Highly recommend that. I'm a big fan of Death, Sex, and Money. That's my podcast. I mean, aren't we all really? I'm (laughs) writing that one down just because
2: of the title. (laughs) I
3: know. I need to listen to that one now, too. Yeah, it's a good one. And and you don't have to, you can jump in and out of it. So uh, you don't have to play along every episode. So it's a good one. That's funny.
0: (laughs) So, uh, Philip, going to your true crime, I'm listening to my favorite murder. And uh, I just found out about this podcast, so I'm all the way still listening in 2016. So as I'm as I'm going forward, but that's a pretty good one too. But
2: cool, I'm I'm getting so many uh, yeah. podcast recommendations. Great, <laughs> I know what I'm doing the rest of my day. Don't tell my boss. <laughs> <laughs> joking, joking. If you're listening, joking.
3: <laughs> I think you have zero tickets to review, Philip. You can't be doing podcast stuff.
2: This is true. This is true. Thanks, Sally.
4: There's <laughs> work to be done.
0: All right. Well, I, I just want to say thank you. This was really insightful to hear about what y'all are doing and, and what's coming up. We're looking forward to working with you um, in the community. Uh, for, our, for our listeners out there, um, to learn more, go to um, libraryintercept.com. We'll have uh, all of the information on our podcast site. And uh, I want to thank uh, Nate, Sally, Philip, and Sarah so much for your time today and, and, and shedding the light on what you're all working with. Thank you so much for having us. We really
4: appreciate it. Yeah,
3: very much. Thanks. This was a lot of fun. Thank you.
0: Thank you. We look forward to see what you guys have next.